You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub on Radio Maria Canada, exploring cutting-edge health and wellness information and therapies, helping you to take your health to the next level. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and I am a holistic nutritionist and a professional cancer coach. On April 6th, 2018, the news of a bus crash at the intersection of highways 35 and 335 in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, sent shockwaves throughout Canada and around the world. The Humboldt Broncos, a junior hockey team, was traveling to an away game when a semi-truck missed a stop sign and crashed into their bus, killing 16 people and leaving only 13 survivors, many with lifelong injuries. Caleb Dahlgren is one of them. Shortly after getting out of the hospital, Caleb began his studies at York University and joined the York Lions varsity hockey team. He earned a Bachelor of Commerce degree, graduating as valedictorian, magna cum laude, and varsity athletics male graduate of the year in April 2021. Currently, Caleb is studying to become a doctor of chiropractic. Caleb is dedicated to helping others, whether that's through sharing his story or through his community volunteer work. He is the founder of Dahlgren's Diabetes, a mentorship program designed in 2017 to give back to children with type 1 diabetes. Caleb is also the recipient of the Canadian Volunteer Award for Emerging Leaders of the Prairies, the National JDRF Young Volunteer of the Year Award, and dozens of other accolades for his community service. And somewhere in the midst of all of that, Caleb found time to become a number one best-selling author for his memoir, Crossroads, My Story of Tragedy, and resilience as a Humboldt Bronco. And Caleb is here today with us to share his story of recovery and resilience as he moved through unimaginable tragedy. Do stay tuned. We will be back in just a few minutes to speak with Caleb. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, Hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Today's show has been recorded, so no opportunity for calling in. Follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on those three locations. Caleb, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's an honor. Oh, it's it's our honor, too. We've had a little bit of time getting together, but we finally found our space, and it's going to be a good one. There's reasons for everything, right? Reasons for everything. Yes. Let's start right with the book Crossroads. You know, you had so many noteworthy people script wonderful statements of support for your book. Wayne Gretzky, Ron McLean. I love hockey, so I know all these people. Uh, Haley Wickenheiser, Mitch Marner. Um, but, you know, the one that 
stuck with me was James Duthie. You know, he wrote that, you know, there are a few things more Canadian than a group of hockey loving teenagers, you know, taking a bus to a big game on the prairies. And that's why the humble tragedy hit us so hard. It felt like the Broncos were all our boys. That resonated so much with me. I have kids who played hockey. Um, and your book, Caleb, honestly, this is like me trying to thank you for it. It gave us a place to to go to because we all needed to heal on some level from that. You know, we put our hockey sticks out. Uh, we did the hashtags and everything. Um, and your book is a testament to you, to the human spirit. But it's not just about one crossroad, is it? It's about many crossroads that you've been through. Can you can you sort of talk about how it all came together? For sure. Well, thank you so much for the sweet message. I really do appreciate your kind <laughs> words. I'm glad I connected with you on that level. That was honestly the whole goal. And so it all kind of started back in 2019. I did my first ever speech on resilience. Beforehand, I did speeches on diabetes. I had my own mentorship program for diabetic children before the crash. And then um, I even did like speeches for Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. I was a national ambassador, provincial ambassador, the national ambassador. So I had lots of experience with speaking. So this was something new, though, was doing a resilience speech. And so I did it for a hockey conference. And it was kind of like they tugged at me for quite a while. I was like, OK, I'll do it. So I talked about my uh, losing my dad. Um, and then I talked about, I talked about diabetes, almost losing my dad and then the crash. And after that speech, I had a person come up to me and was like, you need to write a book. And I started laughing. I was like, what? <laughs> like, you need to write a book. And I was like, no, like, did you not hear that? I have a brain injury. I'm a student athlete. I should be failing in school right now. I shouldn't even be in school. I have so such I an excuse to fail. <laughs> like, I, yeah. And you're telling, and I'm like. I've, I'm fine. What do you mean? No, like, <laughs> there's no way. It's not possible. I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. Appreciate it. But no. Um, and then did another two speeches at uh, like summer ish in that like spring, summer. And both times I had multiple people come up to me and say that like, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And I started thinking, I was like, why do I need to write a book? Like, I don't, I don't see it. I don't really want it. And um, then time progressed. And more and more people kept on reiterating the fact that I should write a book. And so I have an agent and had an agent at the time. And his name is Jeff Lomas. And we're super close. He's like my best friend. Like he's such a good person. And I said, like, I'm getting a lot of people telling me I need to write a book. Why? He's like, well, you have a compelling story that relates to a lot of people. He's like, there's more to you than just the crash. And he's like, so yeah, like it makes sense as to why. He's like, you articulate really well. Um, and I was like, yeah, but... I don't, I don't think so. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. It's all good. But he's just like, that's probably why. I was like, okay. So I had a couple offers from publishers after caught wind of this. And I turned them down, um, had some more come in. And I said, no. And um, my agent presented me with two ones. And um, I said, well, we'll see kind of thing. Like he said, talk to some people in your life. So that's where Haley Wickenheiser came into play. Her and I became close after the crash. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, like you wrote a book before. Tell me about it. Tell me your experience. I want to hear about it. So she explained why she wrote a book and it was to help other people. And she said that like for her, it was fulfilling um, and super grateful that she did it and would do it again. And I was like, okay, like that's good to know. 
And she's like, yeah, like you should 100% and I'll 100% support you. And I was like, I'm not even interested. I just wanted to know why you were doing it. Ask more people. And the whole reasoning why I wasn't interested and like didn't really feel like it was because I didn't know how I was doing mentally, physically, mm-hmm. emotionally. Didn't know if I could handle putting myself out there. I didn't know if I was even going to be able to help people or if my book could resonate with people or if my story was able to really impact the way I would want it to impact. And so I had lots of doubts in myself and everybody else around me in my corner was like, cheer me on, say, you should, you should. And at the end of the day, I turned it down. I said to my agent, I had one night to decide. I was my, well, I had lots of time to decide. And it was like the last night I called him. I was like, Jeff, we aren't doing it. It's all good. Like, I don't want to foresee this opportunity. I have lots more on my list. I'm stacked my semester. I was in five courses. I was volunteering for four different organizations. I was volunteering for four different things at our school. I really loaded my schedule to see if I could handle to go into Cairo school. So anyways, last night, 7 p.m. Monday night class. I let them know Tuesday morning, the official answer. So Monday night, I go to class, sit in there. I sit front row and center. And our teacher walks in the room and he's a very impressive man. He comes in with a quote, a statistic, or something motivational to start the class. Well, this day, he came in with something motivational. And he went up to his podium, looked me straight in the eye, and said, when you want to change the world, it starts with you. And then it just hit me like a tidal wave, absolute tidal wave. And I looked to my roommate and I said, I'm going to write a book. He's like, what? <laughs> like to my best friend, Sastoon, I'm going to write a book. And he looked at me, he's like, you don't even read. What do you mean? <laughs> and I was yeah, like, but other people do. <laughs> I was like, exactly. Was like, exactly. That's why is because I want to write a book that people enjoy. And I said, I want this book to help people. I want this to really change lives. And it made sense because everything I was doing in my life was to help other people. That's like my purpose. That's my passion. That's what fuels me is helping other people. I said, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to donate proceeds to some organization that I think deserves the funds and awareness. And I'm going to talk about topics that I think are important to me and that I could share my story with others in hopes of helping them. And from that day on, uh, November 2019 till June or yeah, until 2021, um yeah march 16th 2021 that was when the book came out it was just focus on that so um the whole idea was to help other people and it was super cathartic for me in my healing journey too and so i donated all my proceeds to stars or ambulance they saved lives on april 6 2018 in our crash but they also save lives every single day and so i think there's nothing more valuable than a second chance at life a hundred percent it is inspiring what you do at such a young age for all that you've done you know, things that have been taken, you have given back far more to everybody. Uh, it's, it is compelling. You, you mentioned that you weren't sure one of the reasons you weren't sure about writing it because you weren't sure where you were at. Mm -hmm. So this book you said is cathartic for you. Were there parts of parts of it really hard to write? For sure. I think the hardest part was chapter 16, the tribute chapter for me, because that chapter meant so much. Um, I really put my whole heart and soul into the whole book, but that chapter in particular was crucial for me because I wanted to acknowledge all 16 that were here and are the angels. Um, but I also wanted to make sure that I did it in the right way and that 
it's so hard to get a full life into a paragraph. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I really wanted to make sure that I had approval of all the families. So I asked all the angel families for the approval of what I wrote about their person. Um, I asked um, like for others to like put input and the whole idea was just how I viewed it. And so um, I asked the families that they wanted something more serious, something more funny and that kind of thing. And they said like lots of them said, honestly, just speak to who um, you thought they were. And I was like, okay, great. So that was good for me was like being able to just express um, awareness to how amazing each person touched me and how each one individually touched me, but then also trying to describe the whole magnitude of someone's life in one paragraph is not easy by any means, but um, it was probably the hardest one, but my favorite chapter of them all for sure. And then even talking about the crash, um, writing about the crash, I don't remember it all. And I think if I had, I remembered everything it would have been a lot more difficult but with my parents being there and right in their portion and their side of the story um i know that was hard for us as a family to work through and that was super great in our healing journey as a family too Caleb, what injuries uh, did you sustain in the crash so i had a fractured skull a puncture wound to my skull a scalp degloving uh five broken vertebrae in my neck four in my back um, muscle nerve ligament damage in my neck and my back. And then I also had um, blood clot in my right arm and left eardrum. Uh, sorry, left arm and right eardrum. And then I also had a uh, severe traumatic brain injury um, where the doctors like still classify me as a miracle today. So I shouldn't be able to walk, talk or remember my name, but um, just based on like the prognosis. But fortunately, I'm not in that state. You've done so many things, you know, pre, pre-crash, pre you started your, now, uh, to, to let everybody know, you are a type 1 diabetic. Yes. Um, were you, did you know this from the beginning of your life or was this something that had developed? So it was something that I developed at the age of four, um, but it's something that you don't really develop and say is onset. Mm-hmm, so I had onset. it in my body, but it was onsetted at the age of four. And then, um, so yeah, I was type one. So it was something out of my control. It wasn't my healthy, it wasn't my lifestyle. was anything like that. It was just, it was in my genetics. So at the age of four, I got diagnosed. So I've had it for over 20 years now. And that's part of the book too. It's like one of my crossroads, like you said, my many crossroads, that's one of the crossroads that I've had in my life. And there's many more to have happened after the book and many more to come too. And so I think that's the beautiful aspect of it. How do you keep such a positive attitude? Like who inspires you? Who grounds you? Is this something that you've cultivated on your own or are there people that you look to? You know, you have the persona that you you have a tragedy, you work your way through it, but there has to be the grind in there. There has to be some difficult times. Who grounds you? Yeah, I'd say for sure. I have multiple people in my life that ground, ground me, my parents, my best friends who I surround myself with. Even the strangers on the street, they, I view life a little bit differently than other people in maybe that sense where like each interaction can mean something to me and I could take a piece in each interaction. So say I say hi, for example, today before the interview, I went to the elevator and it, usually in the elevator people put their heads down or they're on their phones or whatever. And this guy walked in and he looked a little not as happy as I I, I was. And I just said, hey, how has your day been? And he was like, oh, it's, it's okay. And I was like, what can make it better? And he paused for a minute. He thought, he was like, I don't know. And I was like, well, how about 
you be grateful for one thing today. And he looked and laughed. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, grateful to meet you. I'm Caleb. And then he said his name and we went away. And after he had a big smile on his face and like, it was just that little interaction that I was like, okay, like that's what fuels me. Giving back to other people fuels me being able to have those conversations or be able to read when people aren't doing well. So I think where it comes from is my parents, for sure. They are like huge inspiration. My family, another one, but my friends, but it's also like those little interactions, the people that you stop for and they cross the street and wave at you, the people that smile when you're walking by, those were what fuel me too. And I try to do that through everything. Do you still have to work through things? Are there triggers? Are there, you know, times of the year that you really have to step back and regroup and, you know, push the resilience button that you can do it and talking to yourself? To be honest, I have no triggers and I honestly have had triggers for sure, but I worked through them. And I think that's the beauty of it is it doesn't need to be a trigger forever. And so as of today, I can say that I have no triggers until like proving wrong. And I want people to prove me wrong. So that's why I say like, ask me the hardest question you got bring on the most reflective question. Give me ones that should really make it hard for me because I want to grow within that space. I want to be challenged. I want to be able to find stuff that bothers me and understand why and develop strategies and healthy mechanisms to handle those situations. But as of right now, no, I wouldn't say that. I am so grateful to even be alive. I wake up every day and I say three things I'm grateful for. Um, And it's not even like I had this right after the crash it was i had this mindset before the crash because i had lots of experiences in my life beforehand that showed me that i need to be grateful for the people i'm around that showed me that i have to be grateful for my health grateful for the people in my life grateful even pursue my passion my opportunities um so for me it's like i have had this mindset for quite a long time and now it's like i'm cultivating it i'm diving deeper in other aspects that i want to develop more um so yeah there's some days maybe where i'm not at 100 percent or like i hit a roadblock but in that roadblock i find the beauty in the grind and i'm like okay i am actually feeling these feelings and i embrace them and i'm like okay let's either shift my perception let's how can i make this better or let's feel it for a bit and then let's make it better i don't ever want to sit on something negative for longer than at least five hours but some people are like, have a day rule and that's okay. So people have like two minute rule. Um, for me, it's like, if something's really, really bothering me, if the next day is still bothering me, then I need to deal it with it. But typically like I can get over stuff within um, five hours. Even How did you segue into chiropractic work? It, it, it seems, it, I guess it fits in some ways, but in other ways that you, you could say, Caleb is going to go in this direction. You know, <laughs> he's going to be out there in the world. So how did you land on the chiropractic profession? So it started when I was 13, actually maybe 12. I had major back pain as a child and I didn't know why. Tried all these different remedies, physio, massage, acupuncture, um, medication, you name it, I tried it. And then I went to the chiropractor and uh, they got me x-rays and came back and gave me a couple adjustments and my pain went away. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And so then... He was like, yeah, no, like, that's normal. And I said, like, all patients, are, like, he's like, most, you know, not all, but most. And I said, wow. And I loved it because it was not invasive. We were going to the root of the problem rather than, like, the symptoms, like, just treating symptoms. We were treating the actual root. 
And then that was helping the symptoms. And it's not medication, it's hands-on. And for me, it helped me in my healing journey before the crash, helped me with my maintenance and hockey, and then helped me after the crash even more some. And like I found that to be one of the most therapeutic remedies I did. And so I believe in health and wellness and promotion of health and wellness and making people move and feel as good as they can. And so for me, if I can treat my patients to have them physically be able to move and have the optimal functionality, and then also have that mental and emotional component with them and connect on that personal level and hear what they're going through and be there as a support in their corner. For me, that's super fulfilling. It's something that I know um, I'll carry with forever and something that will fill my cup every single day. That's wonderful. Um, We are going to take a quick break. Everybody will be back to continue our conversation with Caleb in just a couple of minutes. You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back. We're having a wonderful conversation with Caleb here. Caleb, um, as I mentioned to you, I'm not sure if it was in the book that I read it or some interviews that uh, I saw of yours. One of the things that you said was a hurdle was survivor's guilt. What do you mean by that? Not many of us are in this situation. So what is that? What is that? Wait. Sure. Yeah. So I talked about it in the book a bit. And that was one of those low moments where you mentioned that. How do I handle those low moments? Well, for me, um, in that time, I was in the hospital and I had a text message I was going to send to my roommate and like my best bud. He was on the bus. Um, and so, yeah, so I was going to have this message. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Like thinking of you, want to check in. Um, just, yeah, sent like a, a cute, like one of those paragraph ones. It wasn't like a short one. It was like a big paragraph. And I was going to hit send. And as I was going to hit send, I realized that he wasn't going to get that message. He was sitting behind me on the bus and he passed away. And that was when it just all came down on me. And this was like the fifth day. I have four days, four and a half days that I don't remember. Um, And so this was like when I kind of came into my own and like started to remember stuff. And I remembered that he wasn't here and that there's 16 that aren't here. Um, and that was when I felt super guilty because it was like, didn't make sense. He was sitting behind me. And I was like, there's younger people who had more of a future than me. There's people who had families. Um, and it just, it wasn't fair and it didn't, it didn't make sense. And so, um, I felt super guilty that I was still here and others weren't. And it took me about an hour of like, just in my tears and questions and asking why or how does that make sense or like trying to logic it out and then I thought about it and I was like well I am here and I thought well what happens if I was in their shoes like what if I wasn't here and what if they were in my spot right now I was like what would they want me to do what I want them to do and so I was like well if I wasn't here I want people that are here to make the most of their life to live their life to the fullest to always take risks take chances love deeply, fall hard, live as big as they possibly can, follow their passions, like do the most they can in this world, help other people. And then I thought, well, if I want that for others, then I should do that for myself. 
And so after that moment, that was when like the light bulb, little instant snap of the finger turned on. I was like, yeah, I need to live big for these people. I need to live big for myself. I need to live big for those who have came, those who have gone and honor them and everything I do and use as motivation rather than as sadness is like, I turned that into motivation to help me continue to enjoy the grind, to help me on those hard days, think of them and use that as motivation or even like put on some music, dance around, like get out of my comfort zone, take on huge risks. And so for me, writing that book was getting way out of my comfort zone. But I was like, I have this opportunity to make an impact and I want to make that impact. And so, yeah, that was how I kind of handled my survivor's guilt. And um, I guess that probably answers the question. (laughs) It does. You know, you have a wisdom that, many of us would spend a lifetime trying to achieve. And the way you conduct yourself is just, you know, it's just so it's inspiring. It's, it's inspiring. Everything about you is inspiring. What was it like to get back on the ice for the first time? It was so special that like, that was one of the pinnacle moments in my healing journey for sure. Um, Cause when you're told that you're how you should be and you're not that way, and then you continue to defy the odds. The fact of just like getting back on the ice felt like home and it didn't feel like it was just me out there. So like there is I talked about in the book a bit, I felt like there was a lot of other people out there. I felt like there were 16 others there with me. And um, I, I didn't, I didn't feel alone. Even though I was alone physically on that ice, I didn't feel alone. And um, that was like kind of my first maybe spiritual aspect of it where I was like, wow, like, I can feel more than just that. And so it was interesting. It was eye-opening. And uh, it was like, it felt like home. It was so nice. I had a big smile on my face. Love listening to my skate plays, make noises, shooting pucks. Like it was just, it was my happy place. And so it was really huge for my mental and emotional and spiritual and even physical healing. I do play a lot. Do I still play a lot? Yeah, do you still play a lot? Uh, not really, no. I retired in 2021, um, officially. I didn't ever play another competitive game after the Humble Broncos season. I never was cleared to contact. So my last game was April 4th, 2018, of competitive hockey. And I went to York University on a scholarship, was on the men's hockey team there. And I had actually previously committed to them before the crash, but then after they still upheld the scholarship, and the commitment. So that was so kind of them, um, not knowing what my future would hold. And then never got cleared for contact due to my head injury. And then ended up officially retiring in 2021. I still play like a little bit though. Like I'll go out on the outdoor rink and escape with some friends, or I'll go and play like a pickup game with my friends. So if I play against other people, I'm worried I'm gonna get hit, or I'm worried like it's just it's too risky. And I have so much going and I have so many other aspirations in life. Um, like a family, schooling, work, um, Cairo, speaking, volunteering. I have all these aspirations and I don't think it's worth it for me to go out there, get hit and have migraines for the rest of my life or go out there and get hit and not be able to remember my name. Um, I just think that there's so much more than just that for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what, goals have you set for yourself do you do you make a do you make a habit of setting goals is this something that you do for yourself yeah so i've always been big on setting goals even throughout my younger years my parents always like set goals set goals and like work towards achieving those goals and i think 
it has something to do with building resilience and building confidence in yourself too. And if you're able to even just have those little small daily goals, for example, get out of bed and make your bed. That's a small daily goal that some people are like, ah, it doesn't matter. But if you do that one goal, that builds confidence that you can pass the next goal, that you can set another goal and reach that goal. So for me, like I do make my bed every day. Um, I do like the small little things that add up to the big things. Because if you can't do the little things, how are you expected to do the big things? So for me, I always try to do the little things first. And so yeah, like my little goals uh, in a day is to make a positive impact on one person. So doing one good deed a day, that's like my goal every single day. Um, and then I also have a goal of making my bed and a goal of um, reading or listening or watching something that will help me the next day for 10 minutes. And those are just so small little details, but like this huge in the grand scheme of things. And if you look at like, if you do that 1% each day, you get 365% better in a year or 365 better in the year so it's just like those small little things add up long term i love to have a family i'd love to have my own practice for cairo open my own clinic have a multidisciplinary clinic with physio massage osteo nutrition naturopath like the full ensemble of what i think health is and um even a gym attached to it too and then on top of that have a family um yeah, I like those are like goals right now. And even like to continue volunteering for organizations that I feel fuel me and also can make a positive impact on this world. Um, so I'm going to be still heavily involved in that, continue my diet beauty still. Um, and then even like this year in particular on like a personal goal um, was to shadow more chiropractors in specific fields so like pediatrics, geriatrics, and neurology. And I have all three lined up so far, but I still love to do more. And then also to dive more into my spiritual side, because I've worked super, super hard on like my physical body being as good as it can be, worked as hard on my emotional aspect and my mental. And now it's like the spiritual side I haven't really dove into. So this year I'm diving into that. I bought my first spiritual book. I read one already. I'm reading another one right now. So it's just like, just kind of diving into that and seeing where it takes me to. Well, you've set a standard. Holy Caleb, um, at, at your age, it's amazing the depth and breadth of you. Uh, what about a book? Another book? Thanks. I got one for you. The Building Blocks of Resilience. You go. <laughs> cool. I like that. Okay. I like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I was told to never say never. Mm-hmm. As of like today, no, I won't be writing one anytime soon. Um, but you never know in the future. I think depending on where my life takes me and more life lessons I have, the more experiences, um, maybe potentially, but at the end of the day, it's nice to hear other people's stories too and have their stories impact me as well. And like I said, the interaction today, people I meet in my life, I'm so grateful because everybody has their own story too. And I think that if we're able to tap into those conversations and those aspects of other people, we can really learn a lot too. A lot of people have a hard time telling their story. And that's, again, another thing that sets you apart. Uh, it's hard for some people to do that. So I think you keep out there, you keep doing it. And even if someone can't tell their story, they can maybe incorporate pieces of yours to make their their story better. Um, I want to give some breadth and space here to the diabetes because this was like, 
how old were you when you decided to do it? I was reading in the book. I mean, you were young when this was yeah. a concept. Yeah, I was 16 when I first wanted to do it. And um, my parents said, finish high school first. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're probably right. I probably should finish high school. So then um, that was done. And after I decided to join the diabetic community, becoming a provincial ambassador for Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And I was in Notre Dame and at the time. Like, I just didn't feel fully fulfilled. And I didn't think the program would be as successful there because we have like 50 fans at our games. And it was only like a town of, 400 so like pretty good numbers if you have even like yeah, 100 say we have 100 fans usually like 50 to 100 fans per game then that's like 25 percent of the town being there so it's pretty good but it's not the same as like 25 percent of humble let's say being there and having like 1.5 thousand fans like it's just that was the difference and so for me i was like well i want my diabetes to feel special and beautiful for the difference and i want them to be in an area where they can be celebrated and so that was why I asked for my trade, actually, at Notre Dame. I loved it. I absolutely adored it. Had so many great opportunities, great times, coaches, friends, uh, teammates, just so many amazing experiences there. But for me, it was bigger than hockey. It was something that I wanted to do from 16 onwards. So I did it my 20-year-old year in Humboldt. And the whole idea was that a diabetes would come to the game. Well, first, you get a pregame meal at Johnny's Bistro in Humboldt. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Johnny's. Good spot for sure. My favorite. Um, and then they come to the game, complimentary tickets, wear the diabetes jersey, watch warm-ups, and they participate in a ceremonial face-off. When they drop the puck, the crowd would go nuts for them. And I thought that was like them feeling special and beautiful for their difference in a good way rather than in a negative way. And then they get to watch game. Afterwards, I go with them upstairs, meet with them, chat with them, ask her, ask, sorry, answering their questions. And then after, I put them in a Facebook group chat with all the other diabetes and then I go to their school and do a school presentation on diabetes to create more awareness and also make them feel comfortable in the space that they're at most of the time during the week. So for me, at my school, it was sometimes difficult feeling comfortable because people didn't really understand what diabetes was or is. And so if I had like a hockey player that came into the um, came into my school and was like, hey, if you eat a chocolate bar, you're fine. If I eat a chocolate bar, I need to give myself insulin. There's no difference otherwise. That would have saved so many conversations. It would have helped out so many of my friends. It would have helped out lots of people picking on me or bullying me for being a diabetic when they don't know or calling me fat, even though I wasn't fat. Like it was just lots of things that would have made it a lot easier on me. So that's why I did it. And uh, I started in 2017 and now it's been five years. So it's it's been so amazing. I have 16 today and they're doing incredible things, like incredible like I could brag about them for hours, but I'll give you like top three highlights. Um, some have gone with the government and have uh, gone to the government and advised and advocated and created more awareness to increase more funds for diabetics. And they've been able to have successful outcomes of that. Some have started their own programs. So like one gives back to the children's hospital. One has um, created a camp. One has created like their own little um, page for diabetics that they can go to. One's created like another mentorship group. Um, some are talking to division one schools and then others have written books. And I'm just sitting here like, I never did that as a child ever, ever. So like they are way more of the person that I ever was and they uplift me. They motivate me to be better. 
and I use them as motivation in my life. Where do you see this going? Bigger, better, bigger, better, or continue, continue along the same right path? Now, I like the 16 just because I am in school. Like, I'm in a full-time mm. doctorate program, and it's not easy. It's one of the hardest schools. Um, so like that's an aspect for me that I want to focus on, and I still am doing speaking engagements, still trying to be involved in their life and help them with their opportunities and help them guide them kind of through the hurdles that I had to learn on my own. Um so I think that's another thing is I want to have that close knit relationship, but I could see it turning to a summer camp every year and mm-hmm. having whoever wants to come, just come to the diabetes camp. And I, I could see it being a pretty big thing, but we'll maybe keep it minuscule right now, mm-hmm. but it could be a big thing in the future in the near future in a couple of years here. Are you still living in Toronto or have you moved? Yeah, I'm still living in Toronto. So I went to York university and got my degree there in three years. And then I'm now at Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College in Toronto. And as we as we get to the end of this, I, I have to ask, are you still in touch with the people um, from your team? Yep, we are. And so we still are in touch. We actually just had a vacation to Colorado where there was a good portion of us who went out and spent time with Dog Nation um, they're a nonprofit organization who help raise funds for people who have gone through hardships in their life and mostly sports um, in the sporting fields. And uh, yeah, so Dog Nation invited us out. We were able to go together. There's, I think, seven of us or six of us. Broncos out there, which was a treat. And then, uh, yeah, we every summer we meet up and we have our meetup planned for this summer already. July long, we're going to be hanging out and yeah, we do keep in touch. We are very close in that sense. Like we still do talk and I'm very fortunate to have them in my life as another motivational factor, as inspirations and as people who I can talk to on another level that I wouldn't be able to with others. You know, you give hope uh, to those of us who have, who have, or, you know, will experience tragedy that the pieces can be put back together. Everyone's picture is going to be different, but you know, it's unimaginable what you've been through. Um, and I, I can't, I, I'm at the end of no words here. I just want, I it would just, there's so much that I would love to be able to do to help, help you with your work. You need to be seen by so many people. They need to hear your word. You are an inspiration. Um, and it's just been such a pleasure speaking with you, meeting with you, uh, and having you on the health hub. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate your kind words, Kathy. Like, seriously, it does mean a lot to me. And I think even just having people like you in my life and having people who support me throughout all these things uplift me. And at the end of the day, I'm so grateful for the support that I've had even before the crash, during the crash, after the sticks out, the tweets, the messages, the little things, donations. It was just so much um, love and support. It, has, it was bad that I took a tragedy to see that, but I experienced it firsthand and I'm forever grateful for that. So thank you for your kind words and thank you for your support too. It you know, as you dive into, you know, carrying this on a bit, sorry, but I just, you know, as you dive into this spiritual aspect that you're, the road that you're going on, it's just going to open you up even more. I mean, you're just beginning to open up as a flower. Uh, you're so young and there's just so much more for you to share with people. So um, congratulations. 
Uh, you're uh, inspiring to me. You're inspiring to so many. And you really do, Caleb, you honor those that were lost. And I can't think of a better a better way to live a life than to to do that, to be honoring the people that were lost. So congratulations. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for your kind words. I really do appreciate it. And thanks for taking time to chat with me today. It was nice. It really was nice. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.